Shemai Akroiso. Hello and welcome to the New York Welsh podcast. That is the podcast that celebrates Welsh success stories in New York while hopefully inspiring the creation of some new ones. My name is Richard. Agidiandui. Ooh, very good. Our guest today is Iltid Barrett, the artist, the musician, and serial entrepreneur. Uh, Iltid came to New York in the 90s for a six month stay and has been here ever since. Yes, I think you'll agree that no podcast about the Welsh community in New York would really be complete without a conversation with Iltid. He is someone that the Wales Online once dubbed the one-man march for his evangelical efforts to organise a St. David's Day parade, uh, one that would rival that of St. Patrick. Okay, so we don't actually go into this uh, on the podcast, but uh, it's worth looking up. So if you Google Wales Online, Ilted Barrett, uh, you'll see the article that we are talking about. Yes. Now, of course, for the last few years, Ilted has been known best as the proprietor of The Sunken Hundred which is a Welsh bar and restaurant he opened with his brother Dom. Uh, the name actually comes from a Welsh myth, believe it or not, um, which we actually get to during our conversation with Ithid. Yeah, the restaurant did really well. It uh, received enthusiastic reviews from the likes of The New Yorker and New York Magazine and was attributed with having the city's most spectacular pasty. Oh, that pasty was so good. It was spectacular. <laughs> uh, yeah, but this wasn't the only thing on the menu that was Welsh-inspired, was it, Gideon? No. No, there were things like... Fagodai, seafood cowl. There was even this, remember that tempura? Uh, oh, like the, the crispy fried, fried seaweed, seaweed stuff. Oh, it was so good. Um, which he imported all the way from West Wales, right? Yeah, and even the drinks. The drinks all had a sort of a Welsh flavour. Uh, they had tiny rebel beer on tap. Uh, cocktails with even homemade kelp bitters. Uh, and you love that, remember that hot toddy? Oh, they used to do this hot toddy where it was made with, uh, well, you, what you do is you'd order the cockles and they would come in the broth. And once you've eaten the cockles, you've got this hot broth and you chuck in a shot of Pendarian whiskey and drink it while it's still steaming. It was so good. Oh, I'm still so bitter that I never got to try that. And of course, um, may never get to try that because sadly, uh, the restaurant closed its doors for the last time earlier this year. Um, which was a shame because it was it would really had become the cultural center for I think a lot of things Welsh in New York, showing rugby games, hosting cultural events, uh, they even did free Welsh lessons and poetry readings. Yeah, um, we go into that on the episode uh, talking with Ithid. Uh, we also talk about uh, his uh, arrival on the vanishing New York art scene in the nineties and his first hand experiences uh, of the days surrounding nine eleven. Yes, and obviously both before our time, certainly, or our time in New York, um, but it was certainly a pretty uh, engaging and far-reaching conversation that we, we went into. We actually recorded it from his apartment in Chinatown, um, which is in fact just a mile away from where the towers came down. Um, so yeah, without further ado, I think we should um, perhaps jump into it, shall we? Let's. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, this is Ilted Barrett. Welcome, Ilted. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Uh, of course, we know you. Uh, well, I know you from the Sunken Hundred, Richard. Um, well, it was through the Sunken Hundred. I actually interviewed him for a, for a magazine article, but it was to, it was regarding the Sunken. It was Hundred, regarding yeah. the pub. Yeah. So that is the connected. I remember that. Yeah. The connected. Thread. That was good this is the second time I'm yeah, there. I know. Have this pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> Why don't you tell us what Sunken Hundred is? Was oh no, it is, it is, it still is, it, it is, still is. is, it lives on. Well, it's sunken hundred. I'm not going to go on about the myth or anything like that. The sunken hundred is 
my brother's and my desire to um, open something in New York um, as a restaurant, bar, bar restaurant, but um, more than that, we were both sort of um, rather despondent. I was, I was very despondent over the years. I've been here for a long time, so I was very despondent over the years that there was nothing um, um, that I could call a place my, you know, my own or something I identified uh, in New York as being Welsh. And I, over the years, I got more sort of, I sort of not resentful as such, but just sort of uh, me- melancholic about it. Um, and my brother and I had always talked about opening um, a bar. Um, and then in 2009, eight, eight, nine, when the recession hit, and I lost a lot of my business overnight, Dom sort of called me and he said, should we get on with this this bar thing? And I said, uh, yeah, that sounds good, doesn't it? So um, at the time, we were toying with the name Dragon, and that was only to be, that was named after my mother. That's what we used to call it. And that was the whole idea was to have a massive portrait of my mother hanging over the bar. <laughs> and uh, yeah. did, you, did you tell her that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah she went bonkers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah don't you. Um, I said, oh, I can't, it'd be great. Well, you know, so, you know, we love you. It'd be great. A bar named after you. And um, and I like the idea of a, of, a, of a bell, you know, and getting here to record, have, have a recording of it saying, get home, get, you know, time to go home, you know. Um, <laughs> last orders. Yeah, last orders, yeah. Ding, 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 last orders, get home. You know, press a button, yeah. Um, I live in Chinatown and I thought it was a good mix. I thought it was, you know, um, combining the Chinese characters with the Welsh, um, Drake and, and you know, all, all, the, all the logos have been worked out and... Uh, and it just wasn't sort of, I don't know, it didn't seem to work then, obviously, then in, in Brooklyn. And we were thinking about Kutch, and we realised that Kutch had been overused in in Wales itself. There was loads of Kutch bars in Wales now. Um, so we were toying around with these names, and then one was another one was Bender Gedig. I thought that was really, really good. Um, and then during one uh, storm season, there was a... Um, uh, a I th- what is it? It was well during one storm season on the west coast of Wales. There was a significant uh, um, episode where we had the lowest um, uh, tides, the lowest and highest tides in in recorded history, and it coincided with this gigantic storm that was coming in off the Atlantic. And you know, West Wales had been warned, and you know this is going to be a big one. Um, and just as it hit. It was the the tide um, was at, the, at its lowest point as it hit, so the storm um, um, ripped away a lot of uh, seabed in certain places. One of these places was Both or or uh, Aberaidi, uh, Aberdavi, um, where that's the site of Sunken Hundred. Um, so what was extraordinary was that the next day, uh, after my mother's phone call, she said, "Oh my God, the storm was terrible." It was on the news that. Uh, uh, I looked on the on news on the internet, and there was this. There was the, there was the site of uh, Sunken Hundred had been exposed. That all these all these trees, all these trees, these fossilized tree stumps had been exposed. Now, growing up in Pembrokeshire, we'd always have, we, we'd always find little bits of fossilized or petrified, you know, twigs and things in certain areas, and we knew that there was a there, there was a forest. We always knew that, and so so the actual myth of Sunken was always something very dear to us. 
but to see this at this extent was absolutely incredible. It was just, what the hell? And I tried to phone my brother in Tokyo at the same time he's trying to call me in New York. <laughs> he's crossed lines. We finally got to each other. And the first thing he said to me, he said, have you seen the news? And I said, uh, I take it you don't mean Afghanistan, do you? He said, no. I said, it's sunken hundred. I said, my God, yeah. And he said, that's got to be the name of the bar, isn't it? I said, exactly. So that's what we, 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 we just knew it made complete sense. We just found it uh, serendipitously through weather, and, which mm. is ironic because, you know, weather is the bane of everyone's life in West Wales, you know. So uh, for those who might not already be aware of the myth, of the story, the legend of Sunken Hundred, could you sum it up for us? Um, there, are, there are many, there are, there are a few versions, um, and each version is... Uh, dictated by the political or religious fervour or uh, uh, um, opinion of that time. Um, um, but the one I we we like is uh, uh, it all starts with the same thing. This is King uh, King Gwydnoth here. He was a, a king of this very powerful uh, kingdom um, based in Mid Wales, Mid Midwest Wales. And his kingdom was very uh, was a low lying coastal kingdom, um, very heavily forested, heavily populated, very um, rich, lots of um, farmland as well. The envy of all the other tribes around that area. Um, his um, it was protected from the sea by a, a dike wall, and his right hand man Scythenin, uh was he was in charge of the uh, the irrigation for, for, the, for he he was in charge of the like uh, gates, he 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 let the the sea in, the sea out, the irrigation things like that. He was also his head warrior, um, and he was also known in uh, in dark age times as the th- one of the three immortal drunkards of the British Isles. Obviously, in those days, there was no such thing as the UK or Great Britain. It was the British Isles. Is this pre-Roman times? This is um, well, it, well, okay. So the 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 myth was written down for the first time um, in. Uh, 1210, around 1210, in the Black Book of Carmarthen. And it's what they call the uh, Clidida Cavidan. And so it's amazing to see it because, as everyone knows, as, well, I don't know if they know or not, but we're a nation of Bardic tradition. So to have this myth written down in 1210, a myth that had been developed and understood, we don't really know where this myth comes from. And that's the great thing about myths. But um, they reckon it comes from the sixth century, sixth, fifth, fifth, the fifth, sixth century. So you're talking six hundred years before it's written down. You know, I believe it's you know it must have been be before that because they actually said oh it's the sixth century. Well then, how do you know that? You know, <laughs> it must have gone on before because there's if you look at the archaeological archaeological evidence anyway around that area. I mean, I mean they 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 found a um, a bronze. A bronze sword made with North Walian, with North Welsh copper that was made in Portugal that was five thousand years old. You know, so you know, so the people were living there for thousands and thousands of years, and they were advanced. And there was trade, so you know, to say that you know King Gana here lived in the fifth century, well, no one really knows that. The fact is, it's a great developed story, and it's and it's uh, it's got meat and, meat and bones to it. You know, there's a lot of meat to it. Um, anyway. The king's daughter Mered, she was, uh, you know, she liked her boys, she liked her booze, very gorgeous, you know, real, you know, real West Coast girl, you know, loved it. 
And uh, but she wouldn't give it up for a sight then and that broke his heart, you know, you know, terrible. He was just gutted. He wanted it so bad. And uh, so it's basically a story of un- unrequited love. She was trying, she always wanted to get away from the um, the king. And she, she, so she was, she was colluding with, very apt these, isn't it? She was colluding with all the, na- with the neighboring kingdoms to try and overthrow her father so she could run off with the prince or, or, or wherever. Anyway, this one particular powerful kingdom tried to invade. They didn't. They couldn't. Scythe then kicked ass. They all kicked ass. Absolutely fantastic. Huge, huge piss up in the in you know feast af- afterwards. And Scythe said, "Right, this is my last go. This is it. She's got to want me now. Got to." So he approached her and he knocked her back. Uh, she knocked him back. She knocked him back. It's terrible. He went down to the gates, completely smashed. Out of his head. Couldn't handle it anymore. He said, "That's it." And the storm, the storm was brewing, and he said, "That's it." And he left the gates open, and all the storm came in and flooded the whole land and killed everyone, apart from the king, of course, and his other knights. And they fled, but the whole of Sunken Hundred was lost to the sea, basically. Until a few years ago. <laughs> Until a few years. Well, this is the great thing. Um, it's only been a, on a few on a few uh, occasions where there's, it's been revealed. I think the last time was in the late 1800s, something like, but never to that extent. So when this, uh, yeah, so when this happened, it was just, it was just, reaff- reaff- I mean, that's why I love about myths, is because they, 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 they come from somewhere, and they're so, and they're real, you know, there's truth behind these things, and to, 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 to see this extent, to, to see this kingdom re- revealed, it's just absolutely incredible. But the great thing is, though, and the, the, other th- the other thing I love about the myth is when it was lost to the sea, there's, you know, this idea that um, the people that were trapped then morphed into creatures, and, you know, it, it was adds then to the, the whole... Welsh mythology, which is just superb, you know, it's, 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 Welsh mythology is absolutely fantastic. Um, brilliant characters, you know, you know, we've got Atlantis, we've, you know, we've got werewolves, we've got giants, and you know, it's, it's just superb. But um, what was um, what was really great about that was uh, about what happened is that um, it, uh, it 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 verified something that you thought had been lost, and that's what I love about. That's what I love about it, and I, and I think that's something that's really Welsh too. It, 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 it relates to the hit to the hiraith of being Welsh. You know, actually, we have now found something that was that always was there. You know, it, it, instead of longing or being oh, wanting and apologetic, that it's here. There it is. There's there's something hundred. So that was just superb for us. You know. Um, um, so that's that's the the myth. What's the actualization of Sunken Hundred? The one in Brooklyn. The one we all know. Well, I, I like to say, well, the, the actual, yes, it's Four Walls, it's a bar and restaurant, obviously, but uh, I think what what we wanted, I want, it was really important for me to make the interior look uh, as authentic as possible. I don't really know what that means my, myself, really. Um, I, I know I didn't want to have Celtic scroll work on the, on, on the wall, or I didn't, I didn't want to have dragons all over the place. I didn't want to, I, I, I just wanted to look like something that felt like home and, and after a while, it seemed to be sort of quite easy because really, what you do is you 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 know what you 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 know what your associations are. So the techniques and the and the decor was just a very natural progression. I I stopped sort of agonising over what it should be and just realised what it is, what it what it is, what it was. Clean, good lines with earth. From Wales and coal dust mixed into the, this lovely plaster, this old traditional plaster work, and the the, the wood trim was seven hundred year old hemlock, which is a really important Welsh wood, and 
oak, which is Merlin's wood tree symbol. Um, and if you keep those things very simple, then it works really well. And I think the the response from certain people who came in, uh, um, well, it's, I, I, it seemed to be validated. You know, I remember, mm. I, I remember um, Scott Gibbs coming in the Welsh International, and he just said straight, he said, "This is Wales," and I was like sort of bowled over. He mm. said, "This is that was just fantastic to me. That was a validation right there." You know, that's the actualization, as in the the structure itself, but. Um, as far as uh, the other things, I, I thought it was just really important to develop right from the start that we had to that it had to be a, a centre, a focus for Welsh culture, or a, just a, a meeting place for. Because I approached this with the vain hope that I would meet Welsh people, because I knew no one in twenty odd years. There was no one that I that, that I knew here, apart from two people who both left. So when I when you lot turned up, I was like, "What the hell?" You're sending a beacon into the hills and. <laughs> Lighting the flame and, and all, we all came. Yeah. And how how much of a surprise was that? Obviously, that was it was the, huge. That, the, that was the ambition. Was it realised? It, I it wasn't ambition. It, it, it really wasn't. I I to be quite honest, I was. Uh, to be quite honest, I just like I said before, I just wanted to open something that was Welsh, mm. and see what happened. So I I didn't expect any Welsh to turn up. I had no idea. So if you fast forward now to the present day and that we've got 230 members in, in New York Welsh, I think that's absolutely remarkable. I think it's just, it's just to show that the, that we're here, you know, and I think that's really great. Well, I'm not saying, you know, I'm just saying there's, there's people here, it's really good. You succeeded, definitely. At the, the risk of sounding saccharine, f- for me, Sunken 100 was and is the heart of, of my Welsh experience in New York. It brought me all... All of these, all of these uh, friends and all of these uh, uh, kinsmen. Well, I wouldn't have known you two otherwise. Yeah. I well, I, I, well, I'm, 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 I am really, I'm amazed, and and I get rather, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to get emotional about it anymore because I'm all cried out, but uh, I, which I really am. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I'm really glad the way it's happened. I'm, I'm really, really thankful that that this, that this has happened, even though something has closed. But it's, you know, maybe that's what was needed. I don't know. We remember things because of events, because of shock. We've been through shock and trauma, and that yeah. causes a memory. Yeah. Um, I think 9-11 is something where we all knew where we were, and we all remember that day, mm. and that's because of it caused shock and trauma. Mm. Um, even for me, you know, you know my personal, I was, I was back in, in the UK, and I remember I was, uh, in, I was in a, I'd come out of a lesson, I remember hearing about it and, you know, I remember the rest of that day watching it on BBC News and mm. um, that day is imprinted in my mind. Mm. So, gosh, uh, what it must have been like mm. for people here and mm. the after effects and, you know, you can't go too far, I think, discussing any history of New York mm. without it, you know, coming up and the, the, both bef- the effects afterwards and, and, and ongoing. Mm. Um, so you, you were mm. you obviously in New York mm-hmm. during that time. What, you know, what can you share from your experience about about that but also kind of the effect afterwards well um if you want a narrative if you, if you want like a chronological i can i can give you that and then you can ask me something specific if you want but um my wife and i at the time had broken up so i was living on avenue c and i just finished a shift in a bar um so i actually missed the impact um i was um asleep and um, Avenue C is a considerable distance from here because uh, where we are now is very close to it. it. It's like, you know, I mean, you can walk, I mean, it's 
my, me and my ex-wife used to pose out in the middle of East Broadway and look down and take photographs of ourselves when the uh, when the electric storms used to come in and strike the top of the buildings. The Twin Towers, yeah. And it was a very dear place to me. There was a fantastic club there called the Rocket Lounge on the on the top floor of the South Tower. That happened. It was on every Monday, so that's where bands used to play. It's again, you mm. know, a really great time, you know. Um, and it was a place there that, uh, you know, the office workers would come to, but on Monday night they'd be subjected to, you know, the likes of uh, John Spencer's Blues Explosion or something like that, you know, just superb. It was a really lovely, gutsy, you know, rock and roll, I suppose. Um, and it was great fun. Um, so we knew a lot of the bar staff there. And, and then on the North Tower, there's uh, up on the top floors, there are a lot of art studios um, because, you know, they didn't, obviously anything that wasn't rented out commercially, that there was an understanding that had been given out to artists. So even though it was a huge corporate area, <clears throat> it was a nice area to hang out because you've got lots of musicians and artists down there. And also there's a great bookstore down there, um, and a good cafe. And that was, it was good. Anyway, um, so I was in bed um, where my roommate's wife started banging on the door really loudly and saying, um, and all she could say was, we're at war. That's what I remember the first thing was, we're at war. And, uh, um, um, you know, hysterical. Um, and I got up and uh, I they had already collapsed. Um, and, yeah. Um, no, sorry, the, first, the, the North Tower collapsed. It was... Uh, yeah, no, it was the South Tower collapsed first. Yeah, it was the South Tower collapsed, and then the North Tower. The South Tower collapsed, and because uh, it was it was just really early in the morning. Obviously, we, it was nine. Yeah. We know it was the afternoon. But it yeah, happened. It was nine, like o'clock, just yeah. after commu- commuter yeah. time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone was there, and I had lots of friends who worked there. You know, people from my football club that I used to play for, and uh, we all had friends who worked there. Um, and uh, I thought. You know, they showed the devastation around the area, and they showed the the the, the, the smoke plumes and people fleeing, and and uh, of course they showed a a, a, a picture of people um, already coming down Delancey Street and up through Lower East Side to get over the bridge, covered in ash, white ash, and I thought, well, where's my wife? And I and you know, and uh, so I legged it. And my friend Jeannie said, you can't go down there. I said, well, I have to go down there. And I, so I went and the, I got down to, um, I got down to uh, Houston Street and there, there's a police cordon and I showed them my ID and, and uh, told them where I lived. I'm looking for my wife and they let me through and I got down to um, Delancey Street and it was the same thing. And then I got down to Canal Street and uh, um, they were, they were, the police had already got their armoured vehicles out and there's a cordon off. And I, and I said, I said, I live here. And they let me through, and um, there's no sign of my wife anywhere. And I, I just was wandering around amongst these people. And the, the thing that struck me the most was it's completely quiet, apart from the sirens. Everyone was just, it was a total hush. Everyone was in shock, and there, there, there was no screaming. Everyone was filing out of Manhattan to get back to Brooklyn or to get away from it or uptown. And it was, and everything was covered in ash. Everything was just. Um, it's a very, and it's a really sunny day. It was a beautiful day, um, and I I started uh, calling as many people I could. Of course, the the the, the towers were down, um, and I finally got through to a friend of mine 
um, who lived around the corner and uh, he uh, said, have you seen my wife? I won't bother saying her name. And uh, they said, yeah, she's with us. So I went around the house and uh, there she was. And we'd broken up, um, so it was, it was very emotional. And um, we just were, you know, we, just, we didn't know what to expect. I, we just didn't, we just thought, this is it. All hell's going to break loose and this is it. We expected something to come over and what? we just said, what, I, well, at least, and I told her I loved her and I said, you know, I'm sorry for what I've done. And she said the same and, and my two friends were married and they were, and I said, well, what, what are we going to do? We just stay here. We can't do anything. You know, let's just stay here and. We all decide that anyway. It wasn't me deciding it, but it was just, and we just expecting that's it, that's it. So I tried. To, I was trying. To, everyone was trying to call. I was trying to call back to Wales to my mother, and that didn't. That wasn't happening. I tried to call, you know, my family, other family in other places. That wasn't happening. So what did you? What did you think was happening? What was being? I thought. I, was, I, th- I thought we were going to die. I thought we, that was it. I thought we, that there was bombs going to come over. More and that attacks was it. on the yeah, way. Yeah, why? Why, yeah, why yeah, not? Yeah. yeah. I just thought that was it. Even though the planes had thing, we thought well. Something shit's gonna happen. Then. You thought that was part of a big at this point, a part of a big. I, yeah, I mean, you're to see something, to see, to have something that close to home, and to your for your neighbour to be so utterly changed psychologically so quickly. The only thing you can logically think of is that it's the end. I, I, I there was no hope. There was no sort of. Uh, um, uh, Expectation of things and get better quickly, and you know, Bush is going to sort it out, and we'll get back to normal. But as the day went on, um, we realised we could leave. You know, we could hear there was plenty of things going on in the street. The people are still firing through, but the, there's a lot of police activity, and you know, the, you could hear the everything down there. You could hear the hum and the blare of the you know, and uh, just the alarms, mm-hmm. and then the stench started the electrical. Stench started coming over, you know, um, you know, the rubber burning and things like that. Because it was, it was just the, the oil, what was causing that. Um, just, just the infra, just the infrastructure. I, I, I assumed it was just very strange uh, tannic, metallic smells. Mm. I thought that, that's, you know, that's the only thing I can think of. It's, it's the, it's, a, it's like an electrical fire, you mm. know. And it was actually because it, it, it damaged all the underground and you know, the subway, and so things were on fire there. So. You had the you had the um, um, substations burning, and that's really horrible. If you have an electrical fire, you know it stinks, you know. Mm. Um, so anyway, my wife and I decided we'd go out and see what's going on. And sure enough, we went down to Madison Street, and people were going about their business as if nothing had happened. A lot of them, and uh, the offie was open. And I said, "Well, I think let's get some wine, shall we?" And we did. And as we get the wine, that's when um, uh, World Trade Seven collapsed. And we just hear this gigantic what, and of course everyone just freaked out again. What the hell's going on? And everything cleared, and everyone went back into there. So this was it was a third smaller building. Yeah, that wasn't it was still massive. Two, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah it's still a big building. It's still and, a skyscraper. And that just, yeah. yeah, it was still yeah. What was it thirty odd stories in this long? Okay. And it just, but it, it wasn't caused by a plane going into. It was, it was caused, caused by, by the damage. The damage yeah, and yeah, the other times. two coming down. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. So that collapsed and you know, did the big plumes. We had no idea if it had been hit or anything, so everyone freaked out again. Um, and, and during this, I'm curious. So, what was being reported? Like, how were you? How were you finding information out? Were the policemen communicating anything on the street, or was it just no? We, everyone was in. We just TV. It was, it was just madness on the TV. 
what you saw in on the BBC probably was pretty much what was going on here, only mm-hmm. much more maniacal, you know, and uh, um, it was more focused on the the um, emergency recovery. Mm. Um, that yeah, that day was was again it was just it was silence. I mean, just the four of us just silence and expecting it to go from bad to worse and worse to the end, you know, and it was, it was yeah. And then in, as the night got on and we realized that um, things had stopped and then the next, uh, we I stayed over and the next morning we came back here and uh, um, then of course the, re- you know, the revelation was, you know, it was more news about the, the, the planes and uh, and uh, the Pentagon and uh, in Pennsylvania and, and uh and again, then the reality setting is like, we are going to go to war. What does this mean? Who's going to attack us? Who's going to, you know, we're a target. We're in New York. And, you know, we had no idea what what that meant, going to war, but talk or immediately. So I um, I stayed, so my wife asked me to move back in. And uh, so I did, of course, because I loved it. And uh, um, I remember there was one night, well, the first night um, we were woken up by, um, they even coined the phrase the death trucks. It was like, Jesus Christ. So, because um, it's the, the refrigerated, articulated lorries, expecting to find thousands and thousands of dead bodies, you know. Um, and of course, there weren't any, you know, because it was pulverized, everyone was pulverized or, you know, atomized or whatever. Um, that was really disturbing. And then after that, then the tanks started coming down. Uh, it, was just, it was just mayhem. And, and again, you had this. What I remember about the, the, these few days is just massive amounts of noise and then quiet. Everything was just really quiet. Nothing was going on. Nothing was on the street. Nothing was open. No talking. And then you'd have, you know, gigantic vehicles rumbling down your street and then sirens going off and then it's quiet again. Um, and that just adds to that expectation of uncertainty, you know. And then, I, then the second night, we were woken up by all the manholes exploded. And we thought it was bombs going off again. It's the pressure built up so much that all the all the manholes, uh, the, the manhole covers popped off. Shooting up into yeah. the sky. Yeah. The pressure had been built because of the... Everything was cut off and the gases or whatever, but because everything was cut, you know, you, you, there's, there's, um, I can't explain it, but what had happened is that, you know, it's like a cork in a bottle. You shake a bottle and it pops. Everything just everything everything it was so it was so huge that whatever it was it was the pressure you know because it just so all you hear is <laughs> and and here we go again right outside my front you know my, my, my front door two o'clock in the morning so oh, so you ran out did you run to the window like I ran the, yeah and, well it's just yeah and then that's 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 pretty shit um and then and then ensued I mean, we realized well, it wasn't an attack or anything but uh, everything was just it it, it just it, it, then the then the reactions yeah, everyone was then it sort of set in and I, I finally got through to my mother and it was just crying and it was just awful and blah 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 yeah, it was it was it was a horrible time really really horrible time um I wish I again I, I feel it's been all doom and I know, gloom I'm about to think <laughs> I know <laughs> Should we use this point of a cuppa? Yeah, we can just... We can another cuppa. Oh, do you, would, would you like a wine? I think that's... Mm, cheers, babe. Yeah. 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 Cheers. 
So you, you started at the beginning saying that you know, you've been in New York for 20 years. Um, where and when did the idea first come to New York? Can you tell us a little bit about that first, that when first I, journey. <laughs> when I was fishing. <laughs> I come from Pembrokeshire and um, we're, so that's the southwest tip of Wales and uh, it's basically cliffs, the Atlantic Ocean, and then next stop is the east coast of America. Basically, if you point in a certain direction, that's New York. And I came, became very... I, I wasn't one of those people who was obsessed about leaving to go to America. But I, from a, um, I, knew I, was, I knew I was going to leave at some point, and I knew I was going to leave my town. Um, the, the, wanderlust, the wanderlust was there from a very early age. I mean, I remember saying to my... I remember saying to my mother, actually, when I was 10, and we just come back, I was raised a Catholic, and I remember coming back from Mass one day, and the sermon had been uh, about children, the gift of children. And I remember uh, saying to my mother upstairs, I was 9 or 10, and I was helping her fold the clothes and put them on the radiator air. And, uh, and she, I said, oh, Mum, you, you know... Uh, you know what Father Jackson was saying today about children? She said, yeah. So I want lots of children. She said, oh, that's lovely. That's that's really nice, love. I said, yeah. I, I want, she said, how many do you want? She said, I said, oh, maybe 10. She said, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but not by the same lady, though. All, all over the whole world. <laughs> and that was the backhand. <laughs> I'd, I'd no idea what, you know. How old are you? Nine or 10. I'd, I'd no idea what... Birds and bees, right? But, but it's just that, even that, when I look back at that, that was, I, you know, there's something about it. Like, I knew I was going to leave. <laughs> the first opportunity, I was off, you know, that was it, you know. The Welsh Genghis Khan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Danny Minogue more like. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and so I think, you know, I, I, I left home at 18. I, I, I went to France and then I came back and went to that art school and David in Carmarthenshire and then I went off to um, London and went to Chelsea School of Art and then I got a girl pregnant and I went up to transferred to Edinburgh where my daughter was born and where I stayed for a long lovely I love it Edinburgh is my second home really I suppose I, um, outside of uh, New York and Wales um, and I stayed there for a long time I finished my degrees and my masters and ended up uh, teaching in the university there sculpture and I had the opportunity to come to New York um, um, on an internship. Um, it was part of a, a master's I was doing as well. So I wrote to the Department of Cultural Affairs. That's back in the day when you had papers and paper and pens and called called telephones. It was really good. <laughs> and uh, I got a uh, I got a speedy reply. It took about three weeks. And uh, and I was offered an internship with the Department of Cultural Affairs. And uh, that was it. I um, I'd just recently broken up with my girlfriend, and I had more better time to go than now. So I left, and um, and that was superb. Um, and you were you moved straight to Chinatown. That was your first. no. I went no. I, I I had I got a room with a I got a room with a, one of my lecturers friends friends friend, who was an Argentinian filmmaker called Juana Sapire. crazy, <laughs> and uh, she moved out of her room. And she shared the apartment with her son, Diego. Um, less said about him and Bear. And, um, but I always remember the first day, <laughs> the first day I arrived, I, I was so excited. It was just so fantastic. It was, oh God, it was, it was in April, early April. What, what year was this? Uh, 90, early 94. Okay, and how old would you have been at that point? Oh God, 
28, 29. 29, okay. Yeah. And uh, it was... it was at the time of Nirvana and stuff like that. And Kurt Cobain had just died. And I looked very much like him. Uh, I used to get that in Edinburgh a lot and, and in Scotland a lot. And, uh, and yeah, I, got, um, I got in a taxi in Jeff K, told the man where to go. We got to the place. It was on the Upper West Side, but it was, a, it, was a city, it was a city block. It wasn't a project block, but it was a city house and they owned all the tenements. And it was a notorious block. I had no idea. I just... I was so thrilled to be in New York. It's just incredible. It's a really hot day. All my hair was crappy and long and lanky, and I just had my Doc Martens on and shitty jacket. And, and uh, the taxi driver wouldn't let me out. He he said, "This must be the wrong block." I said, "No, it's not. It's the right block. You know, this is the this is the address." And he said, "But this is a bad block." I said, "It's fine. It, it, don't worry." About it. <laughs> so naive. Um, so we pulled outside the. Uh, Stoop, and sure enough, there was a, a gang of young men on the stoop. And this is no word of a lie. I'm telling you, like, this is just, I was so in awe of being here, I didn't realize the situation I was in. And uh, I'd called Juana from the airport to say I'd, I'd be on my way, so to expect me, you know, within whatever. She said, oh, it'll be 40 minutes, for an hour. So she was looking out the window for, you know. I walked out of the taxi and the taxi man said, this is bad. And he said, oh, that's fine. I gave him the money. And I turned around when I got my bags out of the, 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 the trunk, the boot. There was a man in front of me. This is a young man in his wife beat his shirt with a, with a bullwhip. And he cracked it in front of my face and said, stay down. Stay down, motherfucker. And I just said, pardon? <laughs> <laughs> and I was the only white boy on the block. And I said, pardon? He said, stay down, motherfucker. Like, I went, I just looked at him. I was a big smile on my face. I was like, "Wow, this is incredible!" I thought he was like, a, <laughs> I, "I thought it was like a welcoming committee." <laughs> it was like, this is mate. This is metal. I went, All right, you okay? Yeah. And he just did not to say. And I turned around to the lads on the on the on the stoop, and they were just like looking at me all wide eyed. And I said, "Excuse, excuse me. I, I have to see Juana. I think she's upstairs." And I went, Bzz, and she and she was, "Is everything all right? Is everything okay?" And I, that was it. Oh, so you were in the right place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I did, you did, did, tell us that it was the wrong block. No, this no, this was my place. I was going to stay. Right. This is it. Stay down, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that was uh, that, that, I, I, it, again. I was I was nonplussed because I was so thrilled to be here and I, and to see something so I never had that in my life. You know, I'd had you know football sectarian violence down my throat for years in Edinburgh and you know in Cardiff and things like that but to have something as exotic as a, a bullwhip cracked in my face with, wow. a, with a thick New York accent was just like wow this is incredible this is wow. amazing I'm dying I'm dying for a cigarette now it's really good <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, the, so the taxi driver had known that yeah. the bad block yeah that's why I assume very bad block he, was, yeah. he said I do not he said I don't yeah, yeah it's it all drugs yeah he said I don't want you to, I don't want to drop you off here I said I'm fine <laughs> I, I'm fine don't worry about it and, you know, I was looking around here. I'm the only white boy on the block. Anyway, so I went upstairs and um, Juana was all in bits and pieces. And I said, oh, it's all right. Said, oh, I hate those. Blah, 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 blah. And we had a talk and uh, it was getting quite late. And uh, she said, I don't want you to go out right now. You'd stay here, have some food and that. And this, this is your room. And I, so I, that's it. I just stayed and I crashed out. Woke up in the, ne- the next morning and um, Waiting for me in the kitchen was 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 the local lad Tony. His name was was the, was the local uh, leader, the local uh, Mr. Bullwick. 
No, 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 no. No, that his his name was Christian. I found out later, uh, and funny enough, quite an, yeah, quite yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's good. I, yeah. Yes, apt. Um, and um, so Tony was the uh, was was the main man, and he had a sidekick with him. Who uh, and again, it just sounds so cliche but again I was in awe he says wow someone's waiting for me to question me this massive black dude with his sidekick and his sidekick was called Bebe Bebe, Bebe. <laughs> he's like six foot fucking six huge okay that's ironic <laughs> yeah so I was like what are these two and then and Diego was sitting at the end of the kitchen table crapping himself I realised that he was just you know what's going on here you know, and they just and so but they were, they were there to question who I was who's this white dude in on, on, on our block what's going on very quickly, me and Tony hit it off. He's he's an intelligent lad, and uh, obviously, you know, apparent that he had, you know, just you know, circumstances had dealt him the wrong blow and, and the wrong deal, and done that, and that was it. Um, so we talked about where I was from, and he knew where Wales was, which I was amazed by, and and uh, uh, talked why, why I was here, and uh, we got on. We talked for about two hours. It was fantastic, really, really good, and. Uh, so as he's leaving, he he said, "Oh, there's just one other thing, elk." He used to call me elk because he couldn't say elk, and he couldn't. And uh, that's one of the many names I've had in my life. Um, he he said, "You you can't have that name on that blo- on this block." I said, "Well, what, what do you mean?" He said, "You gotta have a good black name." I said, "Oh, and what's that going to be then?" He said, "Akbar." I said, "All right." I said, "Hold on, you're Tony." You haven't got a video. You're Tony. He said, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. I'm Tony. You're Akbar. Akbar. <laughs> yeah. So that became your name. So that was my name on the block. Yeah. How long? Oh, months. Months. Before I went home. Yeah. Before I went back to hand in my notice and move back. Yeah. Akbar. So he said, don't worry about any- anything. And he said, I heard that someone, uh, uh, one, one, of the, the, one of the men, one of the boys cracked a whip. I said, yeah. And he said, who was it? I said, I don't know. He's, you know he said, the, the big fat kid. I said, I said, well, he's heavy. He said, uh, I know he is. And uh, yeah, so he was dealt with in no uncertain terms. And uh, they just let me alone completely. Mm. Uh, so, but, so what did you What did you say? But, I, I'm sure he, you know, and you, you will talk many about this. I know, I know from personal sources, you told me, you know, coming in to, into um, touch with all these, you know, different characters in New York who seemingly are quite, you know, intimidating. What What is it about, either about yourself or something that you do or say to be able to kind of disarm those situations? I don't know. I don't know. I think you, you need to tell us because we have been. <laughs> we come to you for help. There's nothing. I, 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 it was my, it was my, my naivety. I, I, I again, it's just about so in, in through. I mean, there's been, there's been loads of times in New York where, you know, you get into trouble, and and you, I think, it may, if you've got a sense of humour, you can diffuse it like that. That's quite easy to be like that, you know. Um, the blissful ignorance. But that day was blissful ignorance. I had mm. no idea what was going on, and I was just like, "Wow, I'm in New York," and I was just, and the smell of New York and the smell of the city, and it was, it was really hot. It was, it was a heat wave then as well, so it was really smoggy. By Kim KLS, it was night ninety four. The dirt around here was terrible. It was orange. You know, the sunset was always orange at the up the uh, avenues is horrible yeah. and it's alerts and things like that so but the smell was really pongy and then yeah. in the elevators we pong I always remember that I was like wow it's just brand new smells you know? yeah. and those sensations are fantastic so I was like thrilled so I wow this is, man is acting for me he's, he's doing something he's performing for me he wasn't he was threatening me he wanted to you know intimidate me I moved here in 2014 Gideon you were uh, similar 2016 2016 so yeah so we've got less than 
you know, five years between us <laughs> in New York. Um, Jesus. I personally, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm, and I've known, I know some of these personally, I'm sure there's many I don't know. I, I'm fascinated by what New York was like in the 90s because you, you, you know, obviously hear stories and, um, you know, you hear, you know, chalk and cheese, but I think nowhere else than like New York has somewhere changed so much. Um, so yeah, just tell us what was it, what was it like? How is it, how is it different to today? Like what are the biggest, biggest changes? Uh, I mean, obviously the biggest thing is that the biggest change is how it's happening in every, in, 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 in every other major city. It's, it's just become a homogeneous mess. I think, you know, there's, there's no distinctions anymore. And what I, I think the, the thing I really miss, and I think I, I've, I've been criticized for saying this and romanticizing it, but I don't care. I, I enjoy it. Manhattan, especially, and that's because it's Manhattan. Um, I moved to New York to be in Manhattan. I didn't want to go to Brooklyn to live somewhere that looked like, you know, suburbia or a, a British city where you couldn't walk. You know, you don't walk around. I didn't want to go. I, didn't, I wanted to live where you know where I read. I'd read about, and I had read a, a lot about New York before I moved over, and the history. And I'm you know, of course, again, I'm crazy on history. And I wanted. To, I knew I wanted to be in Lower East Side, and I knew I wanted. I knew where I wanted to be. What was it about the New Lower East Side? That- well, the Lower East Side is the is the classic Im- Im- immigrant district. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where um, um, this is where the poor came. Uh, people come through, and now it's now it's bankers and and um, people like that. But I wanted to. I, I I I the the thing I really loved about New York was the underbelly and something that even though Edinburgh had its weirdos the thing I really loved about New York is that you could literally walk down the street at four o'clock in the morning in a tutu through a a drug ridden gun toting neighborhood which we are now in and no one would give it you a damn you walk down in a suit and tie then you were to get into trouble it's as simple as that the more weird you were the better the safer you were you had to earn your, was, earn your way in. Well, you didn't, you, you, yeah, you had to adapt. But you had to, I mean, you, you, I'm not saying you, you know, you had to be very aware of where you were. But um, there were, there, 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 there was a certain excitement here. And I, I'm not romanticizing it. I mean, I have been criticized by people. And I know I used to go harp on about it all the time because I, I hated seeing what was going on. But uh, there was there was a real f- fervor about getting things done as well. You could you could be completely bonkers, but you could get things done. There was a huge creative surge here. They, I mean, there were there were always was you know, you know the, the whole history of punk. Um, this is where punk was was born, without a shadow of a doubt. And um, you know the great artists and you know, great modern artists like Jean Michel Basquiat and you know obviously Warhol and you know. Um, De- and Debbie Harry, obviously, I moved here because of Debbie Harry's hot pants, and and and, it, and it's there's no vulture t-shirt. That's one of the reasons I moved here because I see that and I got to be, I got to be in New York. I mean, if girls look like that, then oh my god, it's true, <laughs> it's true. I, such a slut. I'm, I'm um, glad you mentioned, and I'm glad you mentioned punk. I don't want to, I want to hear you obviously talk about you know that time, but um, you know you are. You know, it doesn't take much to look at you to know you're a you know punk is dear to your heart. Um, <laughs> If you haven't seen a picture of Italy, go to the website afterwards. You'll you'll see one there. Um, the hair is very distinctive. Um, t- tell us about the, tell us about punk. Tell us about those days. You, you haven't, we haven't talked about this, but you were in a band, a punk band, right? Um, Ninety-seven to two thousand, we good. That was the, the band was doing really well. We're touring everywhere. I was making nice furniture. And what was the name of the band? You haven't actually said the name of the band. Yet. Kid Silver. Kid Silver. Yeah. What a name. Yeah. That sounds like it could be a restaurant now in New. 
Yeah, probably is. Maybe so. Probably is. No, that's so. The singer's Ken Griffin, who's a great musician. He's uh, he, he was in Roller Skate Skinny, and now his new band is called uh, August Wells. They're really great. And what, and what, and how, what did you do in the band? Bass, the bass player, and uh, driver, and uh, <laughs> yeah, all, all the other crappy things because they're useless. And can people listen to your music? If yeah, it was, it was great. We we did our final show in Barry Ballroom on the twelfth of July, nineteen ninety nine. Sold out. It was great. Outstanding. Yeah, it's great. We, 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 wow. Our first, our first gig, because um, Ken was in this really great band called Roller Skate Skinny in Ireland. Our first gig was in Brownies, which is defunct now. It's on, it was on Avenue A, and uh, it sold out. And we were rehearsing, we were, you know, doing the sound check, and uh, and then this A and R bloke came in. We we'd, we'd already signed to a, a deal anyway. But say now, I said, "My God, you see the queue?" And the queue went right round the block to see us. It's fantastic! Wow. It's but, amazing. But this is the Barry Ball this year. No, this was in, in, our first ever gig. Was first in, gig, yeah, wow. yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, we, it was so. So what, that was really exciting. That was really exciting. The, 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 the band was great fun. It was really great fun. It was fantastic. No, it, it, was, it was good. We, we had a really good time. We, we supported Super Free Animals on the Gorilla Tour. That was really great. But uh, I miss it. I really miss it. I mean, that, that the music. Was, yeah, yeah. I, I, it, there's nothing quite like getting on stage and. How many? How, how many would you pay in front of at the big, at the biggest? Like how many were the crowds? Would you say? Well, the 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 Barry Boreham was what, thousand? Yeah, yeah. What about in the states though? That's the that's the states. The Barry Boreham is the states. Yeah. Oh, oh Barry, <laughs> the Barry oh, Boreham. Bowery. Bowery. I'm cutting that out, by the way, boy. No, that's brilliant. What are you saying? What are you thought it was Bowery. The, ba- the Barry Ballroom. <laughs> <laughs> the Barry Ballroom in Barry? That's 14,000, I boy. <laughs> no, it was, um, no, it was great. So, but we'd, we'd, you know, we'd, 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 we'd play in, you know, we'd play, you know, a crappy little club down in South Carolina. But it'd be, but it'd be fantastic. And then the next night we'd play, you know, a really nice place in Atlanta. And then we'd play Washington, D.C. It was, it was great. It was really, it was, it, I loved it, Matt. It was so... Yeah, if you were supporting the Super Furry Animals, I mean, they were... That was really good. That was good. Yeah. They were and, massive yeah, 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 yeah. That was the Gorilla Tour, yeah, yeah. He asked me to, he said, I, I remember going up to Boston to meet him for the first time. And go up to me on a five dollar bus. Yeah. No, no, we 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 had, we had our tour bus in, see why. And uh, I walked in and, he, and I went up to them, I went up to David and and uh, Griff. And he said, "Oh, he said oh, it's so nice to have a so nice to have a Welsh boy on tour with us as well." You know, I like Ken's music; it's great. I said, "Oh, thanks very much." He said, "Yeah, you got any weed on you?" <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to talk at all about your sculptural work? I suppose it's hard through the spoken word to talk about something so visual but um well i, I um yeah it is it, it, it is hard I'm, I, I'm i'm just really glad i'm back into i'm i'm serious about uh, i'm i'm back into it again in a serious way and that's thanks again to uh the uh the the um support of <clears throat> some of my friends who are artists who um i was just you know, again, it's something I really missed. I I I really missed the, the teaching side of things, and I I really missed making things the way I like to make things. Of course, I love bronze and I like um, stone carving, and I I don't have the facilities really to to to, to do those things here, really. Um, so where's where is your show? It's going to be at the West Beth Gallery on the west side, um, in November, on November the tenth. I have to verify that. 
this woman is um, is there November the tenth for three weeks. Well, it'll be in the New York Welsh yeah, uh, yeah. newsletter. Yeah. So, I've, I'm I'm actually doing some two D work as uh, as well. So, uh, um, and that'd be the first time I've shown paintings for uh, for years. Um, but I, I I like making my own paints. Mm. So it'd be mixed media. It'd be wood and bronze and uh, gilding and. Yeah, uh, cement, plaster. Be good. Well, we'll see. I'll let you decide that. I'm just looking forward to it. That's all. Yeah. So are we. So are we. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that story is quite an apt, um, uh, an apt ending summary, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the sense that you know, a big theme I think of a lot of the stuff you talked about today is um, has been the community, right? I think, and, and how that's come together, and you know how important community is not just not just for you, but for for everyone, for all of us, and how. You know, a lot of these things, you know, rely on rely on the community. Uh, I think I think if anything I can take away from what's happened recently, um, as 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 uh, distraught I am about what's happened with Sunken Hundred, and um, still very hard for me to accept what's happened. I think the the and it's not a glimmer of hope at all. I, I'm amazed by the. Uh, um, Variety of personalities and the and the the talent that's apparent in in a, in a lot of our Welsh community. And I think that if if I if I if I've been seemed to be a part of that or bringing that together, I'm really happy that that's the case. I think more than anything, though, that it's it's a way of going forward. The fact that we now have it, that we do have this community here, then there's absolutely no reason why. There's absolutely no reason why we can't do really great things. That's all you need. That's all you need. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, then please subscribe and leave us a review, as long as it's positive. The more people review the show, the more people will get to hear the show. Yeah, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, then please do. The email is podcast at newyorkwelsh.com or you can contact us through any of the socials. Both our Instagram and Twitter are at newyorkwelsh. And if you'd like to stay up to date with the latest goings on, you can do so by subscribing to the monthly newsletter on our website. newyorkwelsh.com <laughs>